everyone, and welcome to the 25th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. This is a podcast about board games, card games, role-playing games, and other things you can play on and off your table. I am your host, SBJ, and with me today, I have Alan. Hey, that's me again. I'm on a totally different computer in a different state, so hopefully I don't sound too different. I'm visiting me, Gramps. Uh, Yeah, so, uh, oh, I made two rooms and a boom co-owner of tuesday night games hopefully my input is valuable i feel like if they've been listening long enough they know that but i suppose every episode could have new listeners so hello new listeners hey hi you're looking good new listeners that wonderful voice you heard there is sean hey how's it going i am in the same old closet in the same old state not visiting any relatives for new listeners he means in the closet in the classic sense of his sexuality I see. That would be sort of a weird, uh, like, paradoxical statement. Like, yeah, hey everyone, I'm in the closet. In the closet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where to go from there. We mixed up the... Hey, it's St. Sh- Patrick's Day. It's St. Patrick's Day, yes. But by the time people are listening to this, it will be four days after St. Patrick's Day. This is St. Patrick's Day of the past. past. You, you guys wearing future. any green? I just wanted to ask. I'm, I'm wearing, not wearing any No, green. I'm wearing orange. Okay. I feel I like you're wearing green. Pretty, like, every day. So I was wearing that earlier. Yeah. All right. We'll edit this out because that was just a waste. I'm sorry, SBJ. <laughs> SBJ edited that out. Is anyone is anyone doing anything tonight after this? Uh, probably have dinner, take the dog for a walk, maybe watch some Ray Donovan or Veronica Mars, and then finish reading Dune Messiah. None of that sounds St. Patrick Day E. Uh, Ray Donovan is about an Irish bunch of people in la so that's pretty st patty's ish okay yeah i see yeah we have any other intro stuff i see a couple things on the list here alan you want to touch on any of them before we move into our topic sure i really liked the monetizing the app i thought we came to great conclusions last episode and it seems that having like the host helper for free and then charging for the upgrade of the cardless app or booster packs and or that seems like the road to go so I just wanted to thank our listeners and you guys for really making progress. It felt more like a team meeting than it was just a regular podcast that people got to just listen in on. So that was cool. But in sour news, you told us before we started recording that you're not going to be here on the 7th, which is one of our recording days. I gave you a very huge heads up, I feel like. So hopefully that was. Yes. Yeah, that's like that's almost a month from now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was it's good planning my schedule today just because I'm doing a million things this weekend and i was like well i might as well look forward to the other busy weekend i have in three weeks after that a lot of stuff so I will, well, when you I, told us we're- i will be at c2e2 this weekend again by the time people listen to this it'll already be over but every year at c2e2 c2e2 is the comic-con for chicago it's put on by read pop the same people who do comic-con and wizard world and stuff like that but uh, i have i i've had a panel there every year this will be my sixth year speaking and Last year, they gave me a room to hold like 600, 700 people, and I didn't fill it last year because they put me right next to the Game of Thrones panel that was going on at the same time, but (laughs) but the the year before that, they gave me a room of 400 people, and I filled it, and security had to come in and and like tell people that they can't save seats because there were more people waiting to sit down, so that was cool. You're so famous. Thank you for wasting your time on us, schlubs. You know, I try, and... uh, (laughs) I, uh, I know your community service. What? 
one of the reasons why I'm so busy this weekend is because not only do I have to go there on Sunday, I don't have my presentation even started yet. What's it going to be about? Well, it's about Pokemon like it is every year. And mm. shocker. I know, surprise. I think it'll just be the his, the 20th uh because they celebrated their 20th anniversary. I think it'll just be like the last 20 years kind of recap. And then I usually open it up to like a Q&A for the last I always say like the last half hour, but I burn through my content so fast that it's usually like the last 45 minutes of an hour panel. I think you should mm. talk about like environmentalism and how global warming is affecting the climate that the Pokemon live in and how we're seeing a massive, you know, extinction rate of Pokemon growing. See if you can get some good out of this, man. All right. Yeah, you can totally parallel it to the actual issues going on in the real world and just bring it into the Pokemon world. Compare like range free Pokemon versus caged Pokeball Pokemon (laughs) and like the quality of life that they have. You can talk about which Pokemon you're going to vote for in the upcoming Pokemon election and how Pikachu is causing a whole bunch of hate and preying on people's hate. <laughs> you All can right. bring right. on guests that have names that sound like Pokemon. All right. This all sounds premium content. I'm going to transition this into that. We're going <laughs> to have a panel at Gen Con, I believe. We paid somebody at Gen Con something to reserve a room, so... Some guy named Ted who's renting at his hotel room. <laughs> but I don't I don't have too much details on that. I just know that they said that we possibly have a panel and nothing is confirmed, and then they sent another email following it say, We need money. <laughs> uh, oh Gen the, Con, the Gen Con shakedown. <laughs> hey, if you're really hard up for material, just talk about this podcast and get everyone at the panel at What's it called again? C two E two. C three PO meets RGD two's yes. love child. Yes. C what is C three C two E two. C two E two. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm so sorry. All right. So things happening with me is I'm I'm gonna be here next week. Although I shouldn't be because it's the annual Boga retreat. Boga is the board gamers of Greater Akron. So that's my local gaming group here in the Cleveland Akron area. Yes, have a name? And we Yeah, Boga. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> and it's awesome because it's just a whole weekend at a campground of nothing but gaming. And then we do some outdoor games too, like Assassin and Zombie, whatever. So it's gonna be fun. But I'm gonna make sure I'm here Thursday night. Cause I love you guys and I love doing this. Unfortunate for everyone else who listens. But uh, also, there is something else I want to mention, and that is Social Meeple is a new website that's coming up. And I would say it's like the Facebook for gamers almost is it a bit of a disservice, but it's a very focused meetup type website where you can like put meetup? in your... exactly. So you just <laughs> put in what games you like and it connects you to the local retailers and they're working close in hand with the retailers. It's done by a team of guys, one of which I know relatively well, Charles G. So uh, Charles has been working on this and I have to admit it's pretty clean, pretty sleek. And if all goes well, I can see a lot of people jumping on the social meeple to find out where to go for what events, because it's just very mainstreamed for the tabletop industry. So that's pretty exciting for the tabletop world. Yeah. And you're, you're, how are you involved with this? I'm talking about it right now. 
I think you needed more buzzwords, but it sounds cool. Yeah, I I think okay. it's gonna be amazing. I've been on the beta, and it it looks it looks sweet. Awesome. Speaking of betas, that's actually also this is all nothing but bad transitions. Let's move into our topic of the episode. <laughs> I like it. Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? Uh, yeah, it's topic time. World Championship Russian Roulette update. Possibly not in beta anymore. I don't know. Where <laughs> I don't know anything about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, we figured we'd just talk about uh, the current progress in World Championship Russian Roulette because we want the Kickstarter to happen relatively soon. And we've been talking to artists. Uh-oh, phone's ringing over here. That's really bad. Hey, SBJ, edit out the phone ringing. All right, I, I don't have know. control over this. Remove Graham the phone has a landline. He does phone. have a landline. Of course he does. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's comic gold right there. <laughs> uh, Hello, it's Brian there. That's even better. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how well you guys can hear all this. Oh, no, we can hear the, uh, everything. Hello? He has an answering machine. This is amazing. Oh, they didn't leave it's a message. Hot. <laughs> yeah. I love How awesome would it be if it was some sultry so voice? Right now. <laughs> hey, what's going on there, baby? This is Billy D. Williams. I'm calling to put it in your butt today. The Gramps. Gramps, really? Man. You're with Lando? I, let me tell you why I love spending time with my Gramps. Total off topic, but he has amazing stories. He has a letter from Judy Dench uh, personally to him. And it's that's just one of several amazing stories that I don't have time to go into. What's that? Is it tawdry? Oh, yeah. It's very, I mean, we got scandal here. So it's it's tempting to, you know, basically blackmail Judy Dench with it. But I'm not going to do that because I don't think she'd care. She's cool. Anyway, World Championship Russian Roulette. Kickstarter dates, artists, and Sean, I've been working. And Sean, where are we at with the artists? You want to talk about the artists? Uh, we hired a guy named Weberson Santiago, who uh, most people know him from The Bloody Inn, which came out last year, pretty popular. He also did the Brazilian version of Coup, which is pretty well liked, the art in that uh, version. Really kind of gritty, noirish style, and uh, we're super happy to have him on board to do the cover and the characters. We were torn between other individuals. Should we talk about that roster? Is that not professional to talk about people that I don't think that's them? professional. Because we, yeah. I mean, I'd still like to work with some of these people in the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were torn. These are the people who didn't make the cut. Well, I mean, that's really harsh. We had a very specific style we were looking for. And I. the long story short of it is the other artists, great talent, but they'd have to modify their natural style to fit the one we're looking for. Whereas Santiago, boom, it's already there. We're like, oh, yeah, this is very simple, very stylistic. He just do your thing, man. Just do hard your decision, thing. yeah. And we it haven't was worked really with enough hard. artists that like. If this was our fifth or sixth game, and we had hired a bunch of artists before, I think it would be easier because I think every time we make a decision, the second time we make it, it's a lot easier, or we just care less because <laughs> we'd say, "Oh, we've done this again. Obviously, we're going to do it in the future." But the first time you really go outside the company and hire an artist, it's a it's your roll in the dice, you know. But I th- I'm excited about. It. He's working on the sketches right now. SBJ, you know the difference between illustration and graphic design, don't you? Yes, I'm terrible at illustration, but I'm good at, I I suppose I'm good at laying out like text and stuff. Like I did the artwork for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You want to teach our listeners the difference between us hiring the illustrator 
and us ha hiring the graphic designer? Well, I would, I would assume, at least in my mind, and how I've done it in other business-like places, is the illustrator is doing the individual graphics, but the graphic designer is putting together the entire package. So what would that look like in a card game like World Championship Russian Roulette? I'm putting you on the spot. It would yeah. be the illustrator would do the art that goes on the cards, but the graphic designer would be the one that actually lays out the cards and adds like any borders or typography or numbers to the cards over or under the illustrations. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, so we also hired a graphic designer. Who is that, Sean? We hired Adam McIver, uh, who we love. Uh, he did our... He did the illustrations of Alan and I in the rule book of Two Rooms and a Boom, and he did not get credit for that in the first edition. Solid. And he did an amazing job. Super solid. He was totally graceful and really amazing. And he's one of, even our limited interaction with him, he's one of our favorite people to work with. And he just got done doing Tiny Epic Western. Uh, he also did his own game, Coin Age. Um, and he is just, you know, one games. of the few. Yeah, he is a great graphic designer. He did Seven Sevens, I think which we also loved, but super great guy. He's the one who actually made all the recommendations for us on artists. Um, and I think we're hoping to move him into a sort of art director, recurring graphic designer role as time goes on, because he's just super talented. And while I think I'm a competent graphic designer, I think uh, Alan and I are moving to that place as publishers where our effort is better spent. Like Alan's time is better spent designing my time is better spent like handling business stuff, you know, jumping on SBJ, doing the website, that kind of thing, than it is doing the mm. nitty gritty of like every card and every page, that kind of stuff. I think there are just better people out there for that. We really fought for the job of jumping on SBJ, but Sean won in the end. Because I'm heavier. I mean, I'm happy either way. <laughs> That's ah! for sure. So we're, we also have to work on the Kickstarter date, and Sean and I talked today that we really want to start marketing the actual launch date of our Kickstarter, and we don't have that yet, but Sean, do you know off chance, like, when's the last date to hit the please print this game manufacturer in order to get the game out in time for the Gen Con release that we're hoping for? See, Gen Con is like August... Do we have a date yeah. on that, right? August 4th. Um, August 4th, July, June, May. <laughs> it'll be... Not possible? It'll, it'll be really close. It's like a three-month schedule with Panda. Um, you know, they need about 30 days of checking out the game, like pre-production, they call it 30 days of printing, and then another 30 days of shipping. Then we got to ship it to backers. Why won't you... However... We could do Gen Con pickup, that kind of thing, and we could go into it knowing, hey, if we make it by Gen Con, we're going to do Gen Con pickup. If we're not going to make it by Gen Con, we're not. So it would be close. It would be one of the days in April, and it would really depend on you know how quick. Uh, so the sooner in April, the better. So we really got to get a move on if we want that to happen. And that's if everything runs smoothly, and we all know that it usually does. There's never any hiccups. Never. <laughs> You, we're talking anything. about Gen Con 2017, by the way. We're not talking Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I meant 2016. Have you guys worked with Panda? Sorry, I don't know anything about this. Have you guys worked with Panda before? Panda's who we worked with on Two Rooms at a Boom, um, but we had problems with our components, which were not under Panda's control. This time we're using all stuff that they print in-house that we think will be quicker. We're using all standard sort of stuff, and we're bringing on artists and graphic designers now who are you know going to be sort of working now that kind of thing let's be really fair to panda too they did a fantastic job with their components Easy. 
the so everything they did the box the uh, rule books etc i'm really happy with the issues we had were the cards and they had to go to a separate printer for that because they had never done plastic cards before so they had to outsource for that and they told us you know hey this is an experiment that kind of thing right and the first people they went with obviously they for lack of a better term fired or went with someone else because of the transparent card issues yeah i don't know what you would call yeah i mean they they uh found a different material or a different supplier and you know that kind of stuff it's always weird introducing an, a, a completely new product into your line if you're a manufacturer because there's a million things that can go wrong um as we've talked about before um, yeah and you'll be able to get that entire story with our boomer doom documentary which we're still working on as well mm-hmm. can i ask you right up next after World championship personal can I ask, do you guys have what's in mind for reward tiers? Is, is it going to be simple where a uh, back copy of game pickup at Gen Con, back copy of game shipping, back copy of game international shipping, or... Are you saying bad copy? Back. It sounds like you're saying Sorry. back copy. Okay, yeah, I, I just wanted to back copy. Okay. Uh, yeah, we talked before, and I'd like to go as simple as possible, making it sleek and elegant, not going crazy at all as far as having some crazy high level where you get to get your name in the rule book and Sean and I will do a video dance and we'll send you a stool sample. We, we don't want any of those pledge levels. I think the fewer, the better is what I'm going for. Wouldn't you agree, Sean? Or Yeah, I think, and we didn't even really have a ton of pledge levels in our last campaign. We had a decent amount. We had a decent amount of stretch goals too, but I think we're finding more and more that like a good sign I think for a board game company is when your games can succeed on just saying like, Hey, this is the game. This right. is the game we're putting out. You want it or you don't want it. You know, I think miniatures games do really, really well with all the bonuses and stuff like that. Um, but I'm starting to think in board games, card games, that kind of stuff. It's just not worth it. Uh, you probably want like a retailer level or something like that, but especially you- now that uh, Kickstarter added the ability to add different shipping tiers within s- specific pledge levels, that helps a lot too. Are you guys doing stretch goals? We're not sure yet. So that's something that we have to uncover by in the next couple of weeks. If we did have stretch goals, they would probably be not to add in more content, but just to improve the current quality if possible. So I I don't want to tell people you can expect some crazy ass stretch goals where if we get so many backers, you're going to get a whole nother player. So instead of being a, two to six player game it's going to become a two to 12 player game or something like that i'd Uh, almost rather do something like totally personal like i saw monikers did uh monikers launched their new uh yeah for monikers something something a beautiful video made me super jealous and made me completely want to change the way we do kickstarter videos um so you guys should check that out now if you haven't but uh they're doing like a handwritten note i think for backers or something like that like a personalized note in games I like stuff more like that now, like that, or like signed copies that don't increase the per unit cost, because the thing that sucks about stretch goals we're now realizing is, let's say you add all these awesome stretch goals, and that allows you to afford to be able to add all these things in the box, but they also up the per unit cost of the game up enough to where, like, over time, you know, Kickstarter backers are hopefully only the first two, three, four, five thousand customers you'll have over the game, you'll have multiples and multiples of that over the life of the game and that's money you're losing now because of the added expense of adding in all these extra components 
Yeah, what Sean is saying is that you have way more fewer sales through Kickstarter than you will through the course of however long the game is alive and for sale. So you don't want to blow it on that. But I also just want to give the secret sauce is this. The real successful way to do stretch goals, and some people may burn me for saying this, is you come in pricing the game out with all the stretch goals possible and you release a dumbed down version on Kickstarter and you have these stretch goals that you are already planning on having anyway, which is why in so many Kickstarters that when they succeed, if they didn't meet all their stretch goals, they usually have this email at the end of the campaign saying, you know what? You guys are so awesome. We're so grateful that we're just going to throw in those last two stretch goals anyway, because we're so happy and you made this happen. It's all just kind of smokes and mirrors because they already had that in their pricing. And if they're really smart, they may have already sent the files to the printer anyway to get the game into the hands of their backers as quick as possible. So a lot of the stretch goals... If we have the cash flow and the artwork done, you know, and the Kickstarter's going and it looks like we're going to be successful, I'd absolutely send the files off just to get a heads up. Absolutely. So that's... That's one of those horrible trade secrets of Kickstarter you don't hear about is that stretch goals. Sometimes they're bullshit because they're just there to obviously encourage <laughs> people to share the campaign, but they're already in there anyway. I would, so I know that go for it as a, as like, a, like you've backed way more, way more Kickstarters than I have. And I've, I've backed what? probably close to a hundred now and I've created three. But even when I thought about putting stretch goals in, and I did for some because that was like the hot fad and everything, like you got to have stretch goals to have, like now after doing projects and after seeing the stretch goal effect and after seeing how other companies do stretch goals, I feel like it's almost a turnoff because of the smoke and mirror or because I know it's going to delay the product or whatnot. I don't know. I just like Kickstarter just like evolves and changes as it gets older and like the way we handle marketing changes as well you know um and i think that's the same thing with stretch goals to where like they're probably gonna go out of fashion right now but i could see in the future saying hey this is something we'd really like, like to do but only if the, the interest is there but not using it as just part and parcel of every single kickstarter campaign only using stretch goals to say hey no seriously like if we can get this much money we would love to include this component and we've thought about it and it but it's only right at this price as opposed to you know stretch goals every five ten twelve thousand like we were doing yeah do you think though like a I'll ask Alan this because he's back so many. Have you looked at stretch goals and, and gone like, maybe if I just up my pledge a little more, they'll hit that? In the beginning, I certainly did. Uh, I shared the crap ton out of them. And now I realize, for us, it was a, a lesson learned because we wanted those stretch goals because we didn't know how much success Two Rooms and a Boom would bring us outside of Kickstarter, which is a little foolish in hindsight. And I think adding in those stretch goals is almost an insult to the game in a way because the game, as Sean already said, should be successful outside of the Kickstarter world. And of course, we want to make our backers as happy as possible for sure. And we want to show the appreciation, but the game has to be viable on its own uh, without the you know kickstart of... I, you know, you need the kickstart from your backers to show that there is a market for it. But once you get that threshold, like, all right, we have enough backers that this game is viable on its own. Anything else can hurt the game. But yeah, I, it does work. The stretch goals do work. They, they motivate people to share the project. So yeah, I have done that. Okay, so we're expecting an April release of 
Russian roulette and a Gen Con your friends. release date. Yeah. Is that is that yeah, the, that, w- that would too be long nice. didn't listen? Yeah, we'll get more details on that as the podcast goes on as we nail these down. So Sean and I are going to be working really hard as you're hanging out at the R2D2 festival. And we also have exciting news about the Kickstarter video. You want to talk about that a little bit, Sean? I know that Captain Chessbeard's nudging this me a lot. This isn't really here. confirmed. We're hoping to do it with the Board with Life crew. And, and, Sean? And Anthony Birch, the designer of the game. <laughs> Why wouldn't yeah. he want, uh, it's his game. Like, uh, w- w- Well, he lives in California and that kind of thing. And so, you know, just like wrangling everybody together and making sure schedules work. And he works on a TV show as it is. Maybe so, I mean, he should... would love save that story for another time but i'd love to hear how you guys got together and how like the development of the game started sure yeah that sounds great yeah awesome well cool sorry i didn't mean to cut anyone off yeah yes you did (laughs) and i'd like to thank you for it well let's none of us have really played anything except alan here so let's close out the show with what alan has been playing and let's see if alan (laughs) Let's see if Alan can pitch us a game that may or may not be worth buying. So, Alright, Alan. What, All right. what do you got for us? I've played a lot of games uh, in this last week, but I want to lie and just tell you I've played one, so I'm more prepared for the elevator pitch. But you know what? Screw that. I'll give you guys a list. Alright. And... You guys can do this because I want to be a true elevator pitch master. So I think it's trial by fire. The harder this is, maybe the better I'll get because I don't think I can go anywhere but up. But here we go. Oh, this is not I played. <laughs> That's a good point. That's funny. Uh, they, they also yeah. go down, you guys. <laughs> Shh. I played Cheaty Mages again. I played the Two Rooms in a Boop, Two Rooms in a Boom app again. Uh, I played more off your rocker. So those are games that people played previous weeks and they said, hey, let's play this again. So we had to play those again. But the newer ones, Scoundrel Society, played Wink, played the game Hocus, which uh, Adam MacGyver was the graphic designer for. Gorgeous graphic design and gorgeous art in that one. Spooks and Seventh Hero. Oh, we also played Cause of Death Ghost as well. More people requested Cause of Death Ghost. So I'm excited to get that up on the website as well because uh, the local players and playtesters seem to really like it and request it a lot, which is exciting because it's such a small, dumbass game. I love it. Yeah, I love Cause of Death Ghost, and I haven't even seen or played it. (laughs) You're such a big part of it, SBJ. I want you to elevator pitch Seventh Hero. Damn it. As a person (laughs) who only knows numbers as the number seven okay <laughs> that is, is that's it so that's it's it. basically me but i only know the number seven that's correct all right this is going to be confusing as balls that won't stop moving but here we go <laughs> ding me spj hey welcome to the elevator which floor are you going to seventh good that's convenient because i'm going to tell you about seventh hero it's a really kind of micro game if you will it can be played within 15 minutes it plays seven seven minutes oh did i damn it sorry all right starting this again (laughs) this is hard (laughs) hey welcome to the elevator i am gonna tell you about this game seventh hero and it plays seven to seven players in seven minutes 
It's amazing. Uh, what you have to do is you get dealt out seven cards and you win the game as soon as you can get seven out into play. But each of these seven cards tell you between seven and seven abilities that you can use. These seven abilities can change what people can play. But when you draw a card, it commands what other cards other players can play. For instance, they may only be able to play the seventh to seventh card, or they can play the seventh, seven, or seven card. So based upon what quest that you have, you can play it. It's really fun and light. What's interesting about the game is the theme. The theme could be anything whatsoever, and AEG published this game, and they kind of chose a crappy theme of unknown heroes with special abilities. It has the art of a really deep game, art reminiscent of Thunderstone, but realistically, they should have gone lighter. They really mixed their demographics here. So it's deceptive. It looks like it's a heavier game than it is. I recommend you pick it up because it's one of those harmless games. You get to play it and it takes only seven minutes to play. Get seven of your friends together and it, oh, I'm at the seventh floor. I'll see you seven later. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Damn I like that. I want to start doing more challenges for uh, elevator pitches. So my one question is, how many people can play the game? It's a really good question. Uh, in reality, it can play three to five players. Hmm. I played it with three players, and this was Sean gave me the worst challenge possible because the translation is you win the game as soon as you're able to play six cards into your play area. There's heroes one through seven, and each of those heroes have a different ability. Like you get to refresh a different hero's ability, or you can totally cancel another player's action. But the way it works is you have to pass a card face down to the other players, and they either accept it or they reject it. And if they accept it, and it's not a hero they have, it goes into their tableau. And as soon as you, you have six of the seven heroes in your tableau, you win. So anyway, it's basically reading people's minds. But if you accept a card and you do have that hero already, it's that evil hero's evil clone. And those two evil heroes duke it out and they kill each other in the process, which is just a fancy way of saying you have to get rid of that hero. So now you have one fewer hero in your tableau. But it's is super it light. It's super quick. Yeah, it's it's reminiscent of a Senjai Kanai game, but not quite as elegant. I would say is a classic Senjai Kanai game. It is fun. It's again a harmless game because it only takes about fifteen minutes to play, and it's super quick to teach. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I don't have any more questions. You explained it pretty well. I mean, it, you said it was a pretty simple game. It is. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up for you guys. I don't know if, if you liked how we've mixed up the podcast a bit with adding table talk to the end, but if you want to share your thoughts, you can email us at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com or, or you can follow us and tweet at us on Twitter. I, that seems to be more the more popular route right now. So that is our Twitter handle is PlayTKG. I always like think if I said it wrong, but I'm good. Alan, where can they find you? You can find me at Alan Gerding on the tweets. That's A-L-A-N-G-E-R-D-I-N-G. Or you can friend me on Facebook. I'm incredibly lonely. I'll accept any friend request. That's Alan Gerding. 
And Sean? You can find me at, at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Awesome. You guys can follow me on Twitter. It is at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, we, this episode is... Seven. Finished. <laughs> <laughs>